Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 82. Today we'll be looking at a theme that runs throughout the passages of how people respond to being rebuked. What happens when people say that we're doing things we shouldn't be doing? How do we respond? And we'll see this in the life of Saul, King Saul and Samuel. We'll see this in the life of David in one of his Psalms, Psalm 38. And we'll also see this in an interaction that God has with Saul in the New Testament in Acts chapter 9. So let's jump in 1 Samuel 11 and see the story of Saul unfold. Nahash the Ammonite marched against Jabesh Gilead. All the men of Jabesh Gilead said to Nahash, Make a treaty with us and we will serve you. But Nahash the Ammonite said to them, The only way I will make a treaty with you is if you let me gouge out the right eye of every one of you, and in doing so, humiliate all Israel. The elders of Jabesh said to him, Leave us alone for seven days so that we can send messengers throughout the territory of Israel. If there is no one who can deliver us, we will come out voluntarily to you. When the messengers went to Gibeah, where Saul lived, and informed the people of these matters, all the people wept loudly. Now Saul was walking behind the oxen as he came from the field. Saul asked, What has happened to the people? Why are they weeping? So they told him about the men of Jabesh. The Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words, and he became very angry. He took a pair of oxen and cut them up. Then he sent the pieces throughout the territory of Israel by the hand of messengers who said, Whoever does not go out after Saul and after Samuel should expect this to be done to his oxen. Then the terror of the Lord fell on the people, and they went out as one army. When Saul counted them at Bezek, the Israelites were 300,000 strong, and the men of Judah numbered 30,000. They said to the messengers who had come, Here's what you should say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead. Tomorrow deliverance will come to you when the sun is fully up. When the messengers went and told the men of Jabesh-Gilead, they were happy. The men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will come out to you, and you can do with us whatever you wish. The next day Saul placed the people in three groups. They went to the Ammonite camp during the morning watch and struck them down until the hottest part of the day. Their survivors scattered. No two of them remained together. Then the people said to Samuel, Who were the ones asking, Will Saul reign over us? Hand over those men so we may execute them. But Saul said, No one will be killed on this day, for today the Lord has given Israel a victory. Samuel said to the people, Come on, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingship there. So all the people went to Gilgal, where they established Saul as king in the Lord's presence. They offered up peace offerings there in the Lord's presence. Saul and all the Israelites were very happy. Samuel said to all Israel, I have done everything you requested. I have given you a king. Now look, this king walks before you. As for me, I am old and gray, and my sons are here with you. I have walked before you from the time of my youth till the present day. Here I am. Bring a charge against me before the Lord and before his chosen king. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I wronged? Whom have I oppressed? From whose hand have I taken a bribe so that I would overlook something? Tell me, and I will return it to you. They replied, 
You have not wronged us or oppressed us. You have not taken anything from the hand of anyone. He said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and his chosen king is witness this day, that you have not found any reason to accuse me. They said, He is witness. Samuel said to the people, The Lord is the one who chose Moses and Aaron and who brought your ancestors up from the land of Egypt. Now take your position so I may confront you before the Lord regarding all the Lord's just actions toward you and your ancestors. When Jacob entered Egypt, your ancestors cried out to the Lord. The Lord sent Moses and Aaron and led your ancestors out of Egypt and settled them in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God, so he gave them into the hand of Sisera the general in command of Hazor's army and into the hands of the Philistines and the king of Moab, and they fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord and admitted, We have sinned, for we have forsaken the Lord and have served the Baals and the images of Ashtaroth. Now deliver us from the hands of our enemies so that we may serve you. So the Lord sent Jerob, Baal, Barak, Jephthah, and Samuel, and he delivered you from the hands of the enemies all around you, and you were able to live securely. When you saw that King Nahash of the Ammonites was advancing against you, you said to me, No, a king will rule over us, even though the Lord your God is your king. Now look, here is the king you have chosen, the one that you have asked for. Look, the Lord has given you a king. If you fear the Lord, serving him and obeying him and not rebelling against what he says, and if both you and the king who rules over you follow the Lord your God, all will be well. But if you don't obey the Lord and rebel against what the Lord says, the hand of the Lord will be against both you and your king. So now, take your positions and watch this great thing that the Lord is about to do in your sight. Is it not the time of the wheat harvest? I will call on the Lord so that he makes it thunder and rain. Realize and see what a great sin you have committed before the Lord by asking for a king for yourselves. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord made it thunder and rain that day. All the people were very afraid of both the Lord and Samuel. All the people said to Samuel, Pray to the Lord your God on behalf of us, your servants, so we won't die, for we have added to all our sins by asking for a king. Then Samuel said to the people, Don't be afraid. You have indeed sinned. However, don't turn aside from the Lord. Serve the Lord with all your heart. You should not turn aside after empty things that can't profit and can't deliver, since they are empty. The Lord will not abandon his people, because he wants to uphold his great reputation. The Lord was pleased to make you his own people. As far as I am concerned, far be it from me to sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. I will instruct you in the way that is good and upright. However, fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Just look at the great things he has done for you. But if you continue to do evil, both you and your king will be swept away. Now Saul was 30 years old when he began to reign. He reigned over Israel for 40 years. Saul selected for himself 3,000 men from Israel. Of these 2,000 were with Saul at Michmash in the hill country of Bethel. The remaining 1,000 were with Jonathan at Gibeah in the territory of Benjamin. He sent all the rest of the people back home. Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost that was at Geba, and the Philistines heard about it. Then Saul alerted all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews pay attention. All Israel heard this message. The message, Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel is repulsive to the Philistines. So the people were summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. Meanwhile, the Philistines gathered to battle with Israel. Then they went up against Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and an army as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of beth The men of Israel realized they had a problem because their army was hard-pressed. 
So the army hid in caves, thickets, cliffs, strongholds, and cisterns. That's wells. Some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan River to the land of Gad and Gilead. But Saul stayed at Gilgal. The entire army that was with him was terrified. He waited for seven days, the time period indicated by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the army began to abandon Saul. So Saul said, Bring the burnt offering and the peace offerings. Then he offered a burnt offering. Just when he had finished offering the burnt offering, Samuel appeared on the scene. Saul went out to meet him and greet him. But Samuel said, What have you done? Saul replied, When I saw that the army had started to abandon me and that you didn't come at the appointed time and that the Philistines had assembled at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down on me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt obligated to offer the burnt offering. Then Samuel said to Saul, you have made a foolish choice. You have not obeyed the commandment that the Lord your God gave you. Had you done that, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom will not continue. The Lord has sought out for himself a man who is loyal to him, and the Lord has appointed to him a leader over his people, for you have not obeyed what the Lord commanded you. Then Samuel set out and went up from Gilgal to Gibeah in the territory of Benjamin. Saul mustered the army that remained with him. There were about 600 men. Saul, his son Jonathan, and the army that remained with them stayed in Gibeah and the territory of Benjamin, while the Philistines camped at Michmash. Raiding bands went out from the camp of the Philistines in three groups, one band toward the road leading to Ophrah in the land of Shul, another band turned toward the road leading to Beth Horon, and yet another band leading toward the road to the border that overlooks the valley of Zeboim in the direction of the desert. A blacksmith could not be found in all of the land of Israel, for the Philistines had said, This will prevent the Hebrews from making swords and spears. So all Israel had to go down to the Philistines in order to get their plowshares, cutting instruments, axes, and sickles sharpened. They charged two-thirds of a shekel to sharpen plowshares and cutting instruments, and one-third of a shekel to sharpen picks and axes and set uh, ox goads. So on the day of the battle, no sword or spear was to be found in the hand of anyone in the army that was with Saul and Jonathan. No one but Saul and his son Jonathan had them. A garrison of Philistines had gone out to the pass at Michmash. And we'll leave it there for this episode. We'll pick it up tomorrow and see what happens in this battle. But we see here near the end of the story how Saul took matters in his own hands, did not obey God's command, is rebuked by Samuel. And sadly, there's no response really from Saul other than to just sort of keep going on his way. He doesn't ask for forgiveness. He doesn't ask God to forgive him. He just continues on as if, what can I do next? In contrast, we're going to read from Psalm 38 and see and hear a response from David in one sense to a sense in his own life of God rebuking him and of God laying on him conviction for what he has done. And so we'll read from Psalm 38. A Psalm of David, written to get God's attention. O Lord, do not continue to rebuke me in your anger. Do not continue to punish me in your raging fury. For your arrows pierce me and your hand presses me down. My whole body is sick because of your judgment. I am deprived of health because of my sin. For my sins overwhelm me like a heavy load. They are too much for me to bear. My wounds are infected and starting to smell because of my foolish sins. I am dazed and completely humiliated. All day long I walk around mourning. 
for I am overcome with shame and my whole body is sick. I am numb with pain and severely battered. I groan loudly because of the anxiety I feel. O Lord, you understand my heart's desire. My groaning is not hidden from you. My heart beats quickly. My strength leaves me. I can hardly see. Because of my condition, even my friends and acquaintances keep their distance. My neighbors stand far away. Those who seek my life try to entrap me. Those who want to harm me speak destructive words. All day long they say deceitful things. But I am like a deaf man. I hear nothing. I am like a mute who cannot speak. I am like a man who cannot hear and is incapable of arguing his defense. Yet I wait for you, O Lord. You will respond, O Lord, my God. I have prayed for deliverance because otherwise they will gloat over me. When my foot slips, they will arrogantly taunt me. For I am about to stumble and I am in constant pain. Yes, I confess my wrongdoing, and I am concerned about my sins. But those who are my enemies for no reason are numerous. Those who hate me without cause outnumber me. They repay me evil for the good I have done. Though I have tried to do good to them, they hurl accusations at me. Do not abandon me, O Lord, my God. Do not remain far away from me. Hurry and help me, O Lord, my Deliverer. And here we see it in David's response. He admits how he feels. He admits he feels the weight of his sin. And yet he does ask that God would forgive him. He asks and confesses that he needs that forgiveness from God for his wrongdoing and his sin. And then we conclude today by reading from Acts chapter 9, the story of Saul who has been persecuting the church, who has been throwing people in prison who was there when Stephen was martyred, was uh, pelted with stones until he was dead. And now we pick up and hear this continuing story of what Saul is up to and what happens in his life, Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing out threats to murder the Lord's disciples, went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone who belonged to the way, either men or women, he could bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he was going along, approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So he said, Who are you, Lord? He replied, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But stand up and enter the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now the men who were traveling with Saul stood there speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. So Saul got up from the ground, but although his eyes were open, he could see nothing. Leading him by the hand, his companions brought him into Damascus. For three days he could not see, and he neither ate nor drank anything. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he replied, Here I am, Lord. Then the Lord told him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at Judas's house look for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and place his hands on him so that he may see again. But Ananias replied, Lord, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priest to imprison all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, because this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before Gentiles and kings and the people of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, placed his hands on Saul, and said, Brother Saul, 
The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came here, has sent me to you so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, his strength returned. For several days he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, This man is the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed and were saying, Is this not the same man who in Jerusalem was ravaging those who call on his, this name and who had come here to bring them as prisoners to the chief priests? But Saul became more and more capable and was causing consternation among the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. Now after some days he passed, the Jews plotted together to kill Saul, but Saul learned about their plot against him. They were also watching the city gates day and night so they could kill him. But his disciples took him at night and let him down through an opening in the wall by lowering him in a basket. When he arrived in Jerusalem, he attempted to associate with the disciples, and they were all afraid of him because they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took Saul, brought him to the apostles, and related to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. So he was staying with them, associating openly with them in Jerusalem, speaking about out boldly in the name of the Lord. He was speaking and debating with the Greek-speaking Jews, but they were trying to kill him. When the brothers found out about this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria experienced peace and thus was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and in the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, the church increased in numbers. Now, as Peter was traveling around from place to place, he also came down to the saints who lived in Lydda. He found a man there named Aeneas, who had been confined to a mattress for eight years because he was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus, the Christ heals you. Get up and make your own bed. And immediately he got up, and all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now in Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha, which in translation means Dorcas. She was continually doing good deeds and acts of charity. At that time she became sick and died. When they had washed her body, they placed it in an upstairs room. Because Lydda was near Joppa, when the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him and urged him, Come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, they brought him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, crying and showing the tunics and other clothing Dorcas used to make while she was with them. But Peter sent them all outside, knelt down, and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her get up. Then he called the saints and the widows and presented her alive. This became known throughout all Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. So Peter stayed many days in Joppa with a man named Simon, a tanner. And here we have uh, this incredible story of these healings by Peter, yes, but also the story before that of Saul, who had, be, who had been persecuting the church, who then was rebuked by Jesus himself on the road to Damascus and was dramatically changed as he repented and believed and turned and became a follower of Jesus himself and would become one of the greatest church planting missionaries of all time, going throughout the known world, sharing the good news of Jesus, which is what we'll hear about more and more in the coming episodes.
Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You are-